The topic for today is hospitality and looking at a biblical view of Christian hospitality. And you can think of all the different ways that that can impact our lives, our friendships, our families, our ministry, our school. So we're going to be over the next few weeks is looking at that, looking at some passages specifically from the Gospel of Luke. And Luke has a theme of hospitality that you see coming up again and again throughout the Gospel. Then, of course, Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And so the book of Acts is going to talk about Christian hospitality from the perspective of church fellowship. And you might learn that hospitality had played a bigger part in evangelism than you might realize. That in the early church, hospitality played a part in evangelism. Let's begin with prayer. Dear Lord, we ask you to bless us this morning as we take up this study. Open our hearts and minds to hear your holy word. Amen. So, let's start by putting some stuff up on the board here. What comes to mind when I say the word hospitality? And you could just say a word or a few words. What comes to mind? The South. <laughs> the South. Southern hospitality. Okay. Uh, first of all, can you read this from the back? Is that big enough? Yes. <laughs> all right. Can't read that. Can't read that? No. You said it. Well, I said it, but I can't read it. It says, it's got an S. I know that. All right. I'll try to write it bigger. Okay. Or, there's plenty of seats, you can always move up closer. Well, I'm going to do that next Sunday. My seat was chosen for me this time. Okay, somebody mentioned... Well, let's just start with Southern hospitality. Okay. What what does that mean? What, why is that a phrase? Feel welcome. Okay, feeling welcome. Alright, let's just put all the words up then. Welcome. Service. Service. Who said it? Somebody said it. I thought somebody said food. Southern food? It's the only kind of hospitality food. 
Anything else? All right, think about this. What makes you feel welcome when you come to a place that's maybe strange or different? Can you think of a time you've come to a place you were unfamiliar with that you felt welcome? Being greeted. Okay. Think of maybe not a strange place, but just going over to somebody's house. They've invited you over for dinner. Okay. What can make that experience awkward? Pretty easy to find awkward experiences, right? What are we going to talk about? All right. So conversation. Sharing. Sharing. Now, in the next few weeks, we're going to explore some of these things. And, of course, we're here because we're part of a church. So we're going to explore how these different things are part of church ministry. Have you ever thought of that? And it's not just to visitors. It's not just to people outside, but I want you to think also in terms of people inside. It could be a new member. It could be an old member. Are we practicing that? And hospitality to the outsiders inside. Okay. Let's look at the Greek word for hospitality. It's pronounced xena or xenia. Well, I'll just say xenia, a stranger. Literally, a place of temporary lodging. So the word could mean a guest room. It's related to a word, philoxenia, which is love for strangers or friendly care for strangers. So it's a word in the Bible that is specific for the stranger, the person who you don't know. But it can also be applied to those in our midst. First Peter 4, and above all else, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. All right, ancient hospitality 
was specifically focused on bringing people into your house. So it was the practice of welcoming strangers, travelers, or respected guests into your home. Now, this didn't apply to all strangers, though. The way that strangers were looked at in the ancient world is if a stranger came into your city, they were a threat. They were a threat to you, your family, and your city. And the reason for that is they could be a spy. They could be there as a thief to steal or rob and plunder. They could be part of an army. Or it was also thought that strangers brought evil powers with them. Now this meant some strangers were treated very, very badly. They were shunned. They were treated as outcasts. They were not welcomed to even come into your house. And it could be dangerous to be a traveler then coming into a city where you don't know anyone. It could be dangerous because you might not be welcomed. And you can find plenty of times where the apostles were treated badly. Do you think of any Bible stories where apostles were treated badly? They came to a place. What happened? Who was one of the apostles that was most often treated badly in the cities he went to? Paul, in the book of Acts, is often uh, in conflict with the Jews, and he has to flee the city, or he's imprisoned, or he's beaten. On the other hand, sometimes strangers were treated very well. They might be honored. Sometimes people thought that these strangers had spiritual powers and influence, and that it was in their best interest to bring them into their house. So you think back on the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Who is the stranger coming into the city in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? There were two strangers. They were angels, right? They were angels. God had sent the angels to Sodom and Gomorrah. They come into the city. And how are the angels received? Do they find a friendly greeting? No. No, the men of the city want to take them and abuse them and treat them very shamefully. They are not welcome. But who welcomes them in? Lot. Lot welcomes them in. Brings them into his house. Protects them from the city. So there was this contrast between how strangers could be treated very, very badly, or they could be treated well. You think of the story of Rahab. These were strangers and these were spies who were coming to scout out the city, and the city was going to be eventually overtaken by Israel. And what does Rahab do? 
Rahab is the prostitute in the story. Brings them into the house, hides them, protects them. So being a stranger walking into a city could be a very dangerous thing. But there was an understanding, there was a practice of how this was done. If you were going to welcome someone into your house, there were certain things that were understood needed to happen. First of all, you don't ask the person what their business is. That's not the first thing you ask them. Why are you here? Now, sometimes we do that, right? What do you do? Why are you here? We're not used to this, but there was a code of how they did this. They wouldn't ask why you're here. The first thing they do is feed you. Bread and wine, no questions asked. And they would save personal conversation later if things went well. And sometimes the guests would just be fed because they didn't have hotels like we have now. You relied on people to take you into their house. They'd feed them, they'd shelter them, they'd move on. But if things went well, then the conversation would continue and you'd get to know each other. You'd exchange information. And then the last part of it, that you'd exchange gifts. And that gift was a sign that I accept you, and you accept me, and we have a mutual understanding. We're ready to invest that relationship with each other. And you're no longer strangers then. You're friends, you're guests. Guest friends, they called them. So we're going to be looking at this more in the coming weeks about how this applies in the Gospel of Luke, how this happens. And it happens a lot with Jesus. A lot of times Jesus will come into a place, a town, uh, come into a community, and he'll be invited to a meal. Sometimes he went to the very prominent people, ate meals with them. Sometimes he went to the very lowly people and eat meals with them so the theme in luke here is that there's a great reversal taking place the first are last the last are first it emphasizes god's love for the poor the tax collector the outcast the sinner the women samaritans and the Gentiles, all people who were kind of thought of as strangers, as outsiders to the religious community. Turn to Luke chapter 5. And if you didn't bring a Bible, I don't have extra Bibles here. I know a lot of you have them on your phones, but just a reminder, I think it's always good to carry a Bible with you to church. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 27. Now, this is the story of Levi. Someone want to read that? Luke 5, 27 through 32. It's been a while since we've been back to Bible class. anyone want to raise their hand if you have the passage thank you 
notice we just went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. The Pharisee and the teachers of the law who belonged to their set complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick have not. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Okay. So this is the call of Levi. And what's his other name besides Levi? Matthew. Matthew. Oh, Matthew is also called Levi. Levi is called Matthew. He had the Hebrew name and the Greek name. And here you have his Hebrew name, Levi. He's a tax collector. Now you have to know something about how tax collectors were looked at in that world. Tax collectors served Rome. They did not serve Israel. They served the interest of another government that was ruling over the people and imposing taxes on them to pay for their army. The Romans have the army stationed and they're trying to further their empire and basically this vision that Rome will be everywhere and Rome was everywhere so taxes represented the ruling of another government and not just another another government but another god that the Rome represented a false god and that these taxes were supporting furthering of their cause and kingdom So tax collectors were not looked on kindly because they served Rome. They also were often greedy and took more than they should have and took advantage of those who didn't uh, have power and even the poor. Now the scribes and the Pharisees So first he finds the tax collector sitting at the tax booth, and he says, follow me. And he leaves everything behind and goes after him. Then he makes a great feast in his house. So tax collectors were well off. He had a house. and was able to put on a great feast. And he was also inviting a bunch of his tax collector friends and others reclining at the table, which they later call sinners. The Pharisees and the scribes grumble at this. Why do they grumble? So Luke has this contrast between different reactions to Jesus. And he'll contrast how this group of people received Jesus, this group of people grumbled. And when you're going back to Luke, because I want you to read through Luke on your own in the next four weeks, you can easily get through the Gospel of Luke. Read through it and start to notice these things. When Jesus is invited someplace, when he's at a meal, who is there? What's happening? I put on the back side of your sheet there, Lutheran Spokesman article. And I'd just like to read a reference there. 
So this is Pastor David Rhyme, and he's talking about his mission trip to India. And the first, uh, second sentence starts there. But I would also like to mention many unnamed believers in a remote fishing village. They live in extreme poverty. They worship outside on the street. Yet when two young women in their village, both with little children, were left destitute, because their husbands abandoned them when they became Christians, the members of the congregation banded together to support these women and their children as best they could. Such is the heart of love that the Lord has worked in these brothers and sisters of ours. Jesus gave his all for us, so naturally they give their all to him and to one another without question. May we be inspired by them and likewise moved by our Savior's love. So you see in that article how in the Eastern world, compared to our America and the Western world, things are different. If you do not believe the same thing as the parents in your household, you can be thrown out of the house, cut off completely from the family. Because they're more interested in honor versus shame than we are thinking about that. Because we're very individualized. And everybody can believe whatever they want in America. But in India, among the Hindus, if you convert to Christianity, you're risking your whole livelihood. You're risking your future. You're risking your marriage. And so you have these two women who are cast out with their children. And who took them in? The Christians. So when you think about these words we've put up here, okay, how are these all floating around in what Jesus is doing, in what Jesus has come to do? So I mentioned there, when you're reading Luke, how many times is Jesus invited or is he at a table reclining? So here you have him reclining with Levi. And who is at the meal? Who's hosting it? Levi the tax collector. Now, there'll be other meals where a Pharisee is hosting the meal. That's important, too. So they serve food, and then there'd be conversation, and then you think about gifts exchanged. What kind of gifts is Jesus exchanging? He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That is a radical message for that world that Jesus is living in. It means that God is welcoming in sinners and those who you would not expect to be there. So here's a quote from a book. Luke sees the whole life and ministry of Jesus as a visitation on God's part to Israel and the world. You'll hear about that early in Luke, in chapter uh, 1 and chapter when you have these two songs of 
Song of Mary and the Song of Zechariah. And what does Zechariah say? Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, chapter 1, verse 68, for he has visited and redeemed his people. That word visit comes out of the book of Exodus when God visits his people who are suffering. He visits them, not just like I'm coming over to knock on your door and say hi and drop off some apples, but it's God is entering into his interests, into being with us and helping us. That's Jesus's coming, God's visitation of Israel and those who are suffering, including suffering from sin. So then you will notice God visits his people. Some receive him, some don't. So there's a receiving Jesus, and there's Jesus receiving us. And both things are going hand in hand in the Gospel of Luke. So all I'm doing here is introducing you to this, because if you're going to read it in the week ahead, you're going to want to compare the different reactions, those who are welcoming Jesus and those whom Jesus is welcoming. And one of the key stories in this is Luke chapter 7. I'll just briefly introduce that. You can read it on your own. In Luke 7, it's introduced, it's uh, beginning at verse 36. You have the story of a sinful woman who comes to Jesus. She finds him reclining at a table in a Pharisee's house. So Jesus has been invited to a meal at a Pharisee's house. And as they recline at this table, they're leaning up next to it, eating with their hands, and their feet are stretched out. There's no chairs. They're laying on their side. And this woman comes up, and she comes up behind him and begins to wash his feet with her hair. And she's crying. So her tears are falling, and she's washing his feet. Now, what prompts this, uh, what comes right before this in Luke, is I want to read for you the verses that lead into this story. Verse 31. Jesus says, To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collector and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. In other words, among the religious elite the pharisees and the religious leaders you could not make them happy if you were john who was abstaining from food fasting no strong drink they were not happy and if you were jesus who was going to these meals and eating with tax collectors and sinners they were not happy so we go back to what we put on the board hospitality friendship 
welcoming, sharing, service, helping, food, greeting, home. Okay, we'll just take that off as our introduction to this, and then we'll come back next week and talk more in details about the stories from Luke and how that impacts us. You guys have any questions or any takeaways from what we covered today? All right, so this was the easy week, meaning that you didn't have to say anything. And I shouldn't tell you, but it's coming up the next few weeks. I'm going to make sure that you guys are talking because that's what this is about. I want to get us talking. So we're going to have a little bit that you'll be working at at your tables next week. And we're going to get a conversation started about this. Okay? Let's close with prayer. Dear Lord, we pray for your blessing on our minds and hearts. Thank you for opening your word to us. Lord, we think on our own lives and the grace that you have given us. Thank you, dear Lord, for inviting us into your presence to be with you, to have your forgiveness. Help us to have that same sense of love and hospitality toward all the people around us, that we too would find that same heart that you have for us. In your name we pray.